Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long. Weather plays a huge role in production agriculture, and a successful execution of a crop really requires accurate weather forecasting and having a plan. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Eric Snodgrass of Nutrien Ag Solutions says farmers can plan their operations based on weather averages and experiences from past growing seasons, but each year has a new set of weather challenges that arise. He explains more about this and how farmers can use the abundance of weather data available to stay ahead of disruptive weather events. You think about the crop plan you lay out every single year and about the one thing that will step in the way and make it, you know, potentially problematic. What I tell folks is find the most reliable source. Is it the National Weather Service? Is it me? I hope it's me. You know, I try to do my best in forecasting the weather, blending together the best resources and just staying on top of it in a fast and efficient way is what I want folks doing. Uh, So yeah, we, we every year go into a new situation, right? It doesn't seem like any year looks like any year in the past, so there's always something new to talk about. What limits the predictability of weather events? Oh, good question. What limits our ability to predict it is honestly two, two things, okay? Technically, the atmosphere behaves as what we call a nonlinear chaotic system. So there's chaos built in, it's incredibly complex, and things tend to move in what we call a nonlinear fashion, which means little events sometimes blow up into bigger things rather than being predictable, like in a linear fashion. So you look out there and say, well, how far out can you forecast? I'd say, well, I feel pretty comfortable seven days. I can tell you out 15 days. I can go all the way out six months if you want, but you have to know that it is so speculative that uh, you need to take it, not with a grain of salt, like a boulder of salt, because you know, predicting out that far is just, um, it's, it's actually, thankfully, something we can't do, because the reality of it is is that it prevent, presents a challenge every day, and it's something we get to continue to discover. What resources are available then to monitor changes for those longer range forecasts. Yeah, thankfully in the United States, our taxpayer money funds one of the best organizations. We call it NOAA and the National Weather Service, and they are responsible for collecting and disseminating data. Many of us will take that data and we'll turn it into derived products, you know, things that farmers can consume. For example, I put all my stuff on a website. It's called agweather.com. That's ag-wx.com. WX is the abbreviation for weather and Morse code, so that's why I use it. But, uh, you know, we distill all that down into maps and time series and allow folks just to kind of look at it. Plus, you've got great resources in weather.gov, you've got the Storm Prediction Center, all of these resources that allow us just to quickly glimpse every day at what's possibly going to happen. What major lessons were learned then from 2022's growing season that's really going to affect this year? I think the biggest lesson was what can a La Nina do in order to block up the patterns. So La Ninas are famous for giving us big ridges of heat. Last year, it was not over Wisconsin, thankfully. It was actually over uh, Missouri and uh, Oklahoma, and it sat there and just smoked them out incredibly hot. So this year, we're transitioning. We see an El Nino coming, and the lessons learned is that that tends to increase the flow, give us better chances for precip, and generally speaking, El Nino years make a lot of people happy. So we'll see. What severe weather patterns or events that are 
you're keeping your eye on. Well, 2023 started off with a bang, right? So we're well ahead of normal on severe weather reports, especially tornadoes. We had like back-to-back Fridays uh, in late March and early April with large storm systems that just ripped through. So we're in a lull right now, but we expect it to pick back up. May is one of the busiest severe weather months in the country. May and June are. And then normally what happens is there's a progression north in, in May and June to hit the upper Midwest hard with severe weather. So after that, it'll be my attention going straight to the derecho setups that we can sometimes have in summer. And then hopefully we can get ourselves into a drier fall for harvest. But yes, it's going to be a situation where pretty active severe weather this year. So you mentioned La Nina, but what about El Nino? What are the risks of severe storms or how is that playing effect into this year's crop? Yeah, we mostly think about El Nino as a, as a, as a setup that allows for two things. One, it tends to push more systems across the United States. That's good. That's more rainfall. But two, it also tends to make them a bit more energetic, more moisture, more instability, and therefore they have the potential for producing bigger storms. So we love those storms because they bring rain. In summer, we hate them because they can bring hail, tornadoes, and straight line winds. So what we need to do is just kind of figure out what that pattern looks like each month, forecast it, and see if it's going to be favorable for ag or if it might be something that could be more problematic. How does the growing season in South America really directly compete with our corn and soybean prices here in the U.S.? And what does that mean then for Wisconsin farmers? It means that we now have to market grain all year long, right? So their growing season is, of course, the opposite of ours. And they have two growing seasons. They grow a big crop of beans first, and then they plant what they call safrina crop. And safrina actually means second or little or small, but it's not small anymore. It's a huge corn crop, which is in right now. The bean crop is huge. The corn crop is maturing, and it looks like it's going to be large as well. There's problems in South America. It's mostly in Argentina, and they continue to struggle with drought down there. That was Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient Egg Solutions. To learn more, go to egg-wx.com. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. Do you love maple syrup? Ever thought of making your own? Blaine's Farm and Fleet makes it easy with just a few key items. Stop in today for some friendly advice and all those supplies you need to tap and gather your sap. 